Welcome to episode 258 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode, our final one for 2022, we present the seventh annual Rugby League Republic Awards. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 258 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, it is our seventh annual Rugby League Republic Awards, and I do need to say before we begin that we are going to dedicate this episode to Paul Green and Johnny Raper, two legends of the game who sadly passed away in 2022 in different circumstances and and made a significant impact on the game so without any further ado tish uh the big awards it is we are we are here finally the end of the 2022 rugby league season how are you feeling mate look dr t i love a great red carpet it's been uh you know the fans have turned out and uh you know for a great night of rugby league awards um who am I wearing while well, I'm wearing a Bonds uh, singlet, um, the most formal <laughs> singlet I could find, and I'm wearing King G shorts here, the pinkest of the pinkest. But look, um, yeah, look, it's going to be great. I think it's been an amazing year in 2023. And um, look, uh, yeah, again, um, you know, coming back to a bit more serious, I, yeah, I, I thank, uh, you know, Paul Green and Johnny Raper for their service to Rugby League. And uh, I, I know we'll definitely miss them in the Rugby League community, but... You know, on with the show for 2022. It's been, uh, yeah, it's been a great year, World Cup year. Um, and, uh, you know, shall we say the the new world order of rugby league has changed slightly with the result of the World Cup and, um, you know, Penrith doing something that um, teams uh, have not been able to do all that often in the last 20 years. So, or last 30 years, really. So, yeah, so unbelievable. But I'd like to say, how are you doing? Are you excited for the rugby league? 2022, Rugby League Republic 2022 awards. Absolutely, the seventh annual Rugby wow. League Republic awards. The RLR, RLRs, as they, because it just rolls off the tongue. The RLRs. <laughs> yeah, that's right. This, for short, um, but look, mm. yeah, look, can't wait. Uh, we have a lot to get through, and and look, this is our opportunity to, uh, uh, you know, I guess, look back and uh, and and pay homage to some of the great achievers of of the year uh, as we said 2022 is the seventh year of the formation of the rugby league republic it is fitting that we take a look back at the year gone by and justly award those citizens of the republic players and otherwise who have contributed to the growth and continuing glory of the republic not just in australia but throughout the world this year we have a total of 13 awards and uh, without any further ado, let's get into it, shall we? Let's do it. All right. So the first award is the uh, Imperator Destinatus Award. 
which means destined to be emperor, and it is awarded to the best rookie in rugby league, i.e. the player destined to be the best. And uh, we have a, uh, a rich history of this award. Uh, the inaugural winner was Nick Cottridge in 2017, followed up in 2018 by Jermaine Izarko, uh, Dylan Brown in 2019, Harry Grant in 2020, and last year, Sam Walker from the Roosters. Tish, look, I, I think this one is an obvious one, given what we saw at the World Cup as well. This player, I, I think it's fair to say, has been on uh, the, the hot rookies list of, of most uh, pundits in rugby league for for quite some time and this year is uh was really the the year he kind of hit the ground running uh in a big sense so uh although we, we we're taking liberties with the the use of the term rookie uh mm. it's not we're not we're not being very pedantic about well you have to have played at least you know no more than three nrl games or whatever we're just sort of saying look this is a young player who is starting out his career uh and uh and look, without any further ado, I think we both uh, nominated the same player, so we may as well announce it. Joseph Suali'i from the Roosters and Samoa, uh, yeah. who also was uh, in the squad for New South Wales Blues but didn't quite make it onto the field. Um, Joseph, look, we've been talking about uh, – well, what, what have we learned this year? His name is not Suali. <laughs> it's been pronounced Suali'i. And so now uh, I think forever we shall call him Joseph Swali'i. And uh, he really has uh, burst onto the scene. Um, such a promising young lad. You know, as soon as the Roosters bought him, there was all sorts of talk about, uh, you know, rugby union wanting to grab him, et cetera. Um, and and the big, the big play, the big turning point for him this year wasn't so much what he did at the Roosters. It's what he did with Samoa at the Rugby League World Cup. That, to me, cemented... Uh, Joseph in uh, as the the best rookie of the year uh, in rugby league. Uh, he he went from you know an apprentice to J James Tedesco to really kind of holding his own as a fullback in his own right. Uh, played the role of fullback in some in the Samoa's rise uh, f within the World Cup to the to the final for the first time ever. Uh, and he was I I think it's fair to say he was probably one of their two or three best players consistently throughout the entire tournament, uh, just really burst onto the scene. What better place to stamp your mark than on a Rugby League World Cup um, tournament? And uh, look, Tish, that's I, I think it's very clear. We both agreed. We don't always agree on things, but we agreed mm. on this one. It's an easy one. But what about your views on Joseph Swali'i? What kind of a rookie, what kind of a player do you think he's destined to be? Oh, look, I think he's destined to be. Well, look, Let's take a look at the illustrious list of previous winners because I think as soon as you get this award, you're earmarked for success, Dr. T. We have Nick Kodrich, um, who has gone on Serbia's to great finest. things in rugby league. Yep, that's right. That's right. Serbia's finest. And, um, and who are the rest of them? I can't, I can't even remember who they were. But Jermaine Izarko is there. Jermaine Izarko. Look, Dylan Jermaine Izarko. Brown is there. Don't scoff at Dylan Brown. He, Look, uh, yeah, you know, right. New Zealand's best, one of New Zealand's yeah. best. Harry Grant, I think it's fair to say, is our future number nine. Uh, mm. in, in the Kangaroos, you know, and yeah. Sam Walker did pretty good this year, too. So, uh, you know, yeah. let's not scoff at these players. Yeah. Now, I'm going to look, uh, look, I agreed with you, but you know, I always like to throw in an alternative as well. So, I just want to mention two players as well 
who also had outstanding rookie seasons. Um, uh, but look, I, I, I still think that the award should go to um, to to uh, Joseph Suwala because I think he's going to be a big star. And yeah, I mean, coming back to your question, look, I think he's going to be an absolute superstar. Um, you know, he's going to be a mainstay. Um, it will be interesting how he makes that transition to fullback. Uh, and maybe, you know, fullbacks do end up and end up ending up being in the five eighth position as well. So I think there's plenty of there. Um obviously there's that fear of rugby union as well, but I think he's the type of player that you know, I think he's going to uh, achieve a lot and the natural talent. I know there's a bit of controversy around the way he runs. Um, you know, um, but look, it's been something that he's working on as well, it looks like. So I think that looks all pretty good. But the other two guys that I want to mention, um, who like a bit like um a bit like Joseph Swalili, who actually made their debuts the previous year just for like uh one or two games, but then their first main season is twenty twenty two. Lachlan Ilias, who only mm. played one game uh for mm. South Sydney last year, but now has played the full season. And remember he he, he has to take the halfback role of probably one of the best halfbacks in the competition in um, in Reynolds, um, Adam Reynolds, right? And um, so I think Lachlan Ellis, well done. Obviously, also representing Greece as well in the World Cup. So also making it there. But I think, you know, um, you know, being a rookie halfback and getting your, you know, I know he's got lots of help. He's got a, you know, an awesome back line there. But it, he definitely played his part. And the fact that they made it into the top eight, and Jeremiah Nanai, Jeremiah Nanai, who only played for one game for the Cowboys in um, in 2021. This was his full season in 2022. Um, you know, he's part of a team that went from, what was it, second last or third last from last year, all the way up to second. And uh, he also debuted for Queensland, played all three games, and he also represented Australia as well. So what a great rookie season for Jeremiah Nanai. Now, mind you, the... You know, though that looks very impressive, but you also keep in mind that his Australian debuts were also for, you know, sort of in the games that um, were sort of, you know, the pool games slash warm-up games a little bit, but still a great achievement by uh, Jeremiah Nanai, um, who, you know, represented Queensland, um, but was born in Auckland, New Zealand, is of Samoan descent, and... Um, you know, uh, played for Westfield Sports High in school. <laughs> so. Welcome to the modern world of the rugby league uh, identity politics. There we go. Yeah, yeah, that's yep. right. <laughs> yep, and we and we won't hear the end of it, of course, with uh, that contra- You know, some of the controversies around the uh, the the international players being able to play for New South Wales or Queensland. Absolutely. It will continue, no doubt, into the future. But look, well done to all of these players. I think uh, I think you're right to mention these honourable mentions. I think when you stack up the uh, the achievements, uh, I still think mm. good old Joseph Swally, I think yeah, um, definitely. you yeah. really made a massive impact. And I think... Uh, you know, we're not the only ones that think that. I think the the fact that he's been chased uh, dollar for dollar by the rugby union and others sort of indicates that there's there's a lot. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely, a lot, a lot happening there. Well done, and well done to Joseph. And I think very much uh, uh, looking forward to to whether he gets uh, one of the, our other awards in the RLR Award uh, pantheon. So well done, 
Uh, and now we move to the next award, which is the Augustus Award. This Augustus means majestic or venerable. It is derived from the Latin augure, which means to increase. And it is awarded to the most improved player in rugby league. So, look, I've got a nomination here, and I think you've got another one. So let's have a, a debate about it. I... I think the most improved player this year was Jerome Luai. Now, I know he already was starting from a position of uh, having a big impact last year in State of Origin uh, and with the Panthers, of course. But I thought this year he really cemented his position as one of the the, the, the premier players in the game. I think there was a lot of talk at the World Cup. Again, it's about the World Cup that uh, – that, that he's nothing without Nathan Cleary next to him. Um, and he absolutely smashed that myth. In my view, he uh, he kind of demonstrated that he is actually potentially the more important player in the Panthers lineup uh, compared to Nathan Cleary uh, in terms of getting the back line running. Uh, you know, it was Luai when sparked into action that uh, really ignited that Samoa back line. Uh, with his mate Stephen Crichton on the side uh, beside him as well, they wreaked havoc, uh, and Brian Toa as well. So, look, uh, in my mind, Jerome Luai, uh, that's my my vote is for Jerome Luai. But, Tish, do you have an opposing vote? Yeah, look, I do. And I think Jerome Luai has had a sensational season. I do think he's improved. Um, so I do I do see that. Um, I think when you look at Penrith's record this year versus last year, you actually notice that uh, they actually won more games this year than what they did last year. So that's a great effort. And Jerome Luai also was in a quite a number of um, – he was actually in a quite a – like, you know, he was very important to the you know, first six games of the season when, when Cleary was out. I think he was the main playmaker. However, you know, there were some teams that really improved this year. Um, so the Cowboys and the Sharks. And then you think about, okay, well, the Cowboys, they kind of, uh, you know, they kind of bought an experienced halfback from Cronulla, uh, funnily enough. And, uh, you know, they also had some players that sort of rekindled their form a little bit. Um, so, so it was hard to kind of pick an improved player, although I'm, I'm sure a lot of their players did. Uh, but then I look at the Sharks and I look at their lineup, and then I just realize that Nico Hines, um, you know, my nominations for Nico Hines because. Nico Hines, you know, had to learn how to play halfback this year, uh, learn how to be the main playmaker. At the Melbourne Storm, he was the backup fullback. So he's gone from backup fullback of the Melbourne Storm to Cronulla now as the main playmaker, and they were able to make it to the top three this year. So I think, wow, that's that that's definitely some, you know, high level of improvement right there. I think with Nico, he was um, on the fringe of getting picked for New South Wales, probably on the fringe of getting picked for Australia as well. I think he's shown some great character as well. Um, you know, he sort of, uh, I remember that he he had some really good interviews uh, this year where he didn't just talk about the game, but he sort of, you know, put his two cents in into other issues and thanked certain people. I mean, there was a, uh, you know, was I think it was the women of league ground. And, you know, when they interviewed him after the game, he did actually... You know, before we went anywhere, he actually—I think he actually recognised what what an significant round it was, something like that. I just remember he did things like that. So, I, you know, I'm going to put my thing up for Nico Hines. I think the other thing I'll, I'm going to add here, which is kind of a lot of people don't talk about, is that you know what happens to Melbourne Storm players after they leave the Melbourne Storm system, um, and there is a bit of a, a talk out there that you know they're actually not that valuable in the player market um, if they leave the Melbourne Storm system. 
because, you know, Melbourne Storm system source to improve players. Um, but Nico Hines, he's shown that he's a fantastic player, whether he's in the Melbourne system or not. And you could say that he even improved outside the Crane Bell- Bellamy experience. So, yeah. So Nico Hines for me, Dr. T. Um, two, I know two very different candidates. So, yeah. Oh look, you make you make a really convincing case there, and I think uh, I think the coming when you think about the fact that he won the Dally M uh, in a record kind of uh, points tally as well, it sort of indicates. I think you're right that you know we would have expected players to come out of the Melbourne Storm, uh, you know, system to not be. Uh, not be as impactful, but he's actually proven the complete opposite and went all the way to it to become a Dally M record uh, in a, with a record margin, a Dally M medal winner. So, all right, look, you've convinced me, Tish, uh, that uh, that Nico Hines has actually been the most improved player this year. I think, uh, look, no argument from me. Uh, like I said, I still think Jerome Lewis had a great season, but when you put all that together, I... I'm going to agree with you. So I'm going to put uh, let's let's uh, elevate Nico Hines from Cronulla to uh, the Augustus Award winner for 2022. Well done, Nico Hines. Claps all around. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Well done. All right. We say he. uh, I think he was supposed to do this for the first award, right? Like cheers or. Uh, We we don't cheer in the rugby league republic. We. We clap we silently. We clap silently. Okay. All right. Cool. 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 Yeah. No, no, it's all right. Uh, we'll come up with something. Uh, all right. The next one is the Invictus Award. Invictus means unconquered, and we award this to the best defender in rugby league. Uh, look, we've we've got a a, a bunch of great um, great uh, previous winners here. We had in 2016. Jake Friend won the award in twenty uh, or in twenty seventeen as well. Sorry, um, so he won two in a row. Then in twenty eighteen, James Tedesco won the award. Then Damien Cook won it for two years from twenty nineteen to twenty twenty. And last year, Isaiah Yo from the Panthers won the award. This year, my nomination Tish is Reed Marnie from the Eels. He was everywhere in defence. He made some very crucial and memorable. Uh, you know, desperate tackles to save tries. Um, and, and you know, was always up there in the stats in terms of most uh, most tackles and things like that. So in my mind, Reed Marnie, uh, not just in terms of consistency, but also memorable clutch plays as a defender mm. uh, is up there. And, yes, I am a bit biased to put in an Eels player up there, but I genuinely believe he had a, a ripper of a season. He's going to do fantastic at the Bulldogs with that kind of uh, defensive mindset. Uh, but that's my vote. What about you? Yeah, look, I've gone in a, in a different sort of thought pattern here because I thought, you know, like, look, obviously most tackles, um, you know, represent that you are a very good tackle, the fact that you tackle a lot and don't um, have lots of ineffective tackles as well as a lot of missed tackles. But it also is an indication of, you know, the defence kind of aims... Oh, sorry, the attack kind of aims the defence at you, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so so, the other part of defence, which is really important, is the person who organises the defence. And I think in the modern era, I think the person who does that the most is usually the fullback. Um, so I just went for the best defensive uh, team and the fullback of that team, and then... You know, uh, and that that turned out to be Dylan Edwards. So Dylan Edwards, I kind of put that in more from that organising 
a defensive pattern type sort of scenario. Um, you know, if we look at the statistics on the Penrith Panthers in the regular season, um, you know, they their against was only 330 and the next best was was actually the Sharks with, oh no, the Cowboys with 361. So, you know, not not very bad with that. But, you know, I suppose this is not really for team effort, isn't it? It's more for a defender situation, isn't it, there? So... Yeah, look, I, I come to think of it, I think you've raised a really good point, which is, uh, yes, a lot of uh, big forwards do go for Reed Marnie, <laughs> given his <laughs> uh, small stature. That probably is why he gets his numbers up. But I, you'll see a pattern if you if you if you uh, look at the uh, the the pattern of previous winners. We've got both Jake Friend and Damian Cook. Uh, hard-working hookers and halves, for their yeah. clubs, dummy halves, and but also defensively, little little blokes, but really tough. Um, yeah. Consistently up there in the percentages, and and uh, you know, no, sorry, in the stats, I mean, and and the percentages of uh, tackles that they make for the team, etc. Um, but then you've also got, you know, James Sedesco was in there at 2018, and it must have been a big breakout year for him. Uh, in many ways, but definitely he was, I think he kind of rose to the occasion and was seen as, uh, you know, strong defensively, whereas in the past it was all about his attacking and his, uh, his speed, mm. etc. Um, I Look, I it's been two years now that the Panthers have won, and last year they had Isaiah Yo as the winner of this, uh, you know, in the Panthers lineup. But I think you're right. I think this year what we what we saw was, uh, especially there were some times when the Panthers uh, squad was decimated with uh, the state of origin um, responsibilities and duties, and Dylan mm-hmm. Edwards remained in that team. I think he even may have captained the team when when he had to play without his star players alongside him. And uh, they still maintained a pretty strong defensive effort despite that. And I think you're right. I think having someone like him, and he was, he also did some memorable try saving tackles during the year. And in fact, he was, uh, you know, kind of lauded for that many times, uh, probably as many as Reed Marnie. So, look, despite the fact I'm a bit biased towards an Eels fan, I think, I think you're right. In this case, uh, the Panthers' defense was so good that you can't not give it to someone who. Uh, who who is instrumental in in the desperation and organising of that desperation last ditch defence? Uh, Dylan Edwards, I, I look, I'm I'm convinced that yet again you've convinced me again, Tish, to go with your vote. Dylan Edwards for the from the Panthers, uh, we are going to award you the Invictus Award for 2022. Well done, claps, silent claps all around. Well done. All right, congratulations, Dylan. Let's move on to the Tetrarchy Award. And the Tetrarchy means leadership of four, and we award this to the best uh, what we call spine in rugby league, and that is those crucial positions of fullback, 5'8", halfback, and hooker. Um, uh, Some illustrious winners over the years we had in 2017, we had... The Melbourne Storm with Slater, Munster, Cronk, and Smith. Um, in 2018 and 19, we had the Roosters with Tedesco, Kiri, Cronk, and Friend. Uh, two years in a row, they won that same um, uh, combination, that same spine. In 2020, we had the Melbourne Storm winning with Pappenheisen, Munster, Hughes, and Smith. 
And last year we had the Panthers, Dylan Edwards, Jerome Luai, Nathan Cleary, and Apisai Corusau. And I have to say, I think this is probably one of the easiest <laughs> awards that I'm going to award tonight. Uh, Tish, I think you agree with me that the Penrith Panthers spine, the exact, exact same spine that won last year, Dylan Edwards, Jerome Luai, Nathan Cleary, and Apisai Corusau, uh, very deserved winners of the best spine in rugby league, the Tetrarchy Award. Before we uh, we clap them, though, I want your thoughts on, uh, you know, how good were they this year? Are they, were they better than last year? Because I, I got the feeling, I get the sense that they, uh, they're just getting better and better. Yeah, look, I think uh, I think you can make a strong case for that. So I just want to make mention that, look, it wasn't just actually uh, these four. I mean, that obviously they were the starting four. They played the majority of the season. But I think they had good backup uh, as well. Um, so um, I think uh, Sullivan, uh, I forgot his first name, but... Uh, uh, yeah, he he sort of was playing halfback for the first six or seven games. Really did well when when <laughs> when they sort of um, you know had injuries in the halves and so forth. Yeah. Um, I think Mitch Kenny um, was there. You know, um, Mitch Kenny. By the way, great name, Mitch Kenny. You know, two first names. <laughs> um, yeah, right. two 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 nicknames as well, right? Do you know what I mean? So, uh, um, but, <laughs> but yeah, look, I think Mitch Kenny, uh, obviously great service when you know, they've had a couple of injuries as well. And look, you know, my, my other opinion on on um, the actual spine is that I actually, I'd like to consider the the lock forward uh, as a part of the spine as well. Um, you know, the, the 13, the link man. Um, and essentially what happens is that uh, if you do consider that, then you then you look at how they sort of, you know, because if the halves are playing on opposite sides, then the person who's got to link the two together is usually the lock forward. Um, and, and they're also a centre forward that sort of drives the forwards for it you know, to the attack. So as I, I think has been probably the best, um, um, you know, well, I think he is the best, uh, you know, uh, number 13, um, you know, lock, lock forward in the competition at the moment. So, you know, put them all together. I think, yeah, definitely that their spine is awesome. And, um, you know, um, this is why they're going to have problems keeping them future because, <laughs> you know, you got, you got this great spine, but, um, their, you know, their value is going to keep going up and up and up. So well done to the Panthers. An absolute outstanding season. A very dominant season from the Panthers. And, um, yeah, and I think well-deserving of this award. Well done. So Tedraki Award to the Panthers spine. Congratulations. All right, the next award is the Centurion Award. Uh, it's uh, It means soldier, and it's awarded to the most tireless workhorse in rugby league. Uh, some very prestigious winners of this in the past. Jason Tamalolo in 2017, obviously a very big year for him. Jake Trebojevic in 2018. Uh, Josh Papali in 2019. Damien Cook in 2020. And then last year, we actually went <laughs> completely <laughs> random and didn't even go for a player. We went for Queensland Premier <clears throat> Anastasia Palaszczuk. Yep. As the most tireless workhorse in rugby league, and I have to say that was well-deserved given um, <laughs> what she did to keep the NRL running, to allow the NRL to keep running. Remember that they, uh, with all the lockdowns and situations, they had to really be flexible and it was really the Queensland government that came through and provided the level of security and protection and support that the NRL needed. So well done last year for Anastasia Palaszczuk. But I think this 
year we are not going for a politician. We're not going for a left field uh, player. But I am going to go for my vote this year is for someone who, uh, you know, and this definitely was solidified, I think, in uh, throughout the World Cup, not just in terms of his great performances for the Kangaroos, um, and even as far back as the State of Origin series, I think for the fact that he ha- he started to develop, well, he's already had this, uh, uh, I guess, perception or reputation as being a bit of a, like an energizer bunny. He just keeps going and going and going, never gives up, um, you know, always dangerous when he touches the ball. Uh, we know he's he's very good defensively as well. I wanted to put James Tedesco from the Roosters up there as the most tireless workhorse. Now I know he's got other features and other other advantages and characteristics that you could vote for him on, but I think just on this dimension of being a tireless workhorse, I think we saw that more than anything else in the World Cup final as well. Uh, when it mattered. Uh, when they needed someone to to push through, it was James Sedesco. Um, during the State of Origin series as well, um, James Sedesco, again, one of the best, if not the best, for New South Wales consistently. Um, never has a bad game, just keeps going and going. And uh, I think we saw that this year he's been so consistent, you know, um, for his team. And that's the way he kind of... Um, I guess that's the way he he does his captaincy is by leading by example, and I think this year more than ever because of the World Cup year, we definitely saw that out of James Tedesco. So I'm going to put my vote forward for James Tedesco. Tish, what about you? Who are you going to put your vote forward for? Well, look, um, I think before I announce my what I, I I think, uh, you know, you've actually convinced me a lot on James Tedesco. I'm kind of. Uh... <laughs> I kind of think because like he has absolutely had an outstanding season, and the thing I think about James Tedesco is that like typically when you see New Zealand play or you see Samoa play, people think, "Oh wow, like you know, look at Joseph Manu, what a fullback! He must be probably the best player in the world." Or have a look at Swalini; he's going to be the best player in the world. But neither of them play fullback for the Roosters. That's James Tedesco because James Tedesco is the best in the world, even when you don't see the flashy side of him. You know, he's got that flashy Ferrari side. You know, there's not a car that you can compare him to because he is a bit of a Ferrari X-Factor player, but he's also a tireless working car, you know, working hard, day in, day out, Prius. Is that, is that a car of, I don't know what that's called. But you know what I mean? Like, you know, he's... Prius as a workhorse, that's a new thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay, all right, okay. Well, like, you know, he's probably caring about the environment. So, you know, he's... He's the um, he's the he's the uh, you know Prius slash uh, you know what what's a work a Toyota Corolla slash uh, you know f- Ferrari. Um, so <laughs> there you go. You know, well look, Nick Politis, he knows a lot about cars. He knows how to pick them. So look, so yeah, look. But my, my option was going to be Dylan Edwards, uh, just because I've heard some. You know, sometimes in games where Penrith are playing, you're like, man, Dylan Edwards is everywhere. You know, yeah, yeah um, I agree. Yeah, yeah. So you sort of see him do that. There's been um, thing about him being the first person to train and last person to leave. He always outdoes everybody in all the runs and things like that. Um, but then you kind of you kind of look at some of their players and you think, well, I don't think a lot of these guys want to run marathons anyway, right? So don't, don't yeah. But anyway, but I think Dylan Edwards is definitely a hard worker. But on the basis that you know James Tedesco is captain of everything, 
Right. Um, is he is he running for prime minister? He, he might as well do that, right? He's kind of uh, in charge of everything else at the moment. So <laughs> possibly, possibly. Yeah. So he's got that. He's got the workload as a leader. He's got that workload, um, you know, as a fullback, which is probably you know you run mo- most meters, um, you know, and uh, yeah, and also the fact that he's probably the main attacking weapon for the Roosters many a times when uh, you know when uh, Kiri and Walker. Are not even on the same page. They're reading different books out there. Um, <laughs> you know, he's kind of the glue for the Roosters a little bit. So, um, yeah, workhorse. I think James Tedesco is your man. Well done. All right. Well, James Tedesco, winner of the Centurion Award for 2022. Well done. Well done. Well done. All right. Next award is the Pontifex Maximum Award which means Supreme Pontiff or Greatest Bridge Maker, and we award this to the best referee in rugby league, uh, in, not just NRL worldwide, but I think uh, mostly because we, we kept looking at the NRL. NRL seems to have the best referees, so much so that uh, we, we we tended to – the the Aussie referees tended to dominate the Rugby League World Cup, uh, you know, big games uh, to the point where – People started to question why can't we have neutral referees when when Australia's playing? But anyway, that being said, this award, the Pontifex Maximum Award, has uh, also had an illustrious uh, bunch of referees in the past. In 2017 and 18, we had Matt Checken winning that award. Then we had 2019 Graham Annesley, uh, I think, as a referee's boss. In 2020, Gavin Badger, and in 2021, Matt Checken again. Mm-hmm. This year, there was no Matt Checken. Uh, we had to go for someone else. Uh, look, I, I ended up opting for the referee that, that had, you know, a lot of success in terms of getting the big games, uh, and that was Ashley Klein. And I think, uh, you know, look, I'm not, uh, not going to really <laughs> argue too much. I think he, he was as prone to any as anyone else to errors and uh, and and adjudicating in not necessarily the most uh, uh, entertaining or or uh, consistent way but I think he's the best out of uh, out of what we've seen this year certainly he was rewarded as uh, with, with that in terms of refereeing grand finals and uh, the rugby league World Cup final Ashley Klein for mine Tish do you have an alternative I do have an alternative unfortunately Dr T I'll have to decline Ashley Klein um, but <laughs> I'm going to go for Grant Atkins uh, this year because, look, um, you know, I can't think of – look, I, I always like his refereeing. I like the way he talks uh, to the players. I think he makes some solid judgments. I think he's one of these uh, referees that doesn't always uh, refer to, uh, you know, the, uh, the bunker. He sort of tries to make decisions on the fly, and I think he makes the right decisions. He also comes up with some – you know, I think there was a decision earlier in the, you know, in the regular season where um, somebody, uh, you know, there was no dummy half and then the marker dived on the ball and he gave a penalty. He said, look, you're, you're not allowed to dive, but you can actually, you've got to pick up the ball. It's, I know it's a strange rule, but that's the law, blah, blah, blah. So I like that, you know, he's, mm. he's got the, obscure, you know, he's on top of the obscure rules. Meanwhile, Ashley Klein, uh, you know, he cost the Tigers a, uh, a game against the Cowboys. Clearly, you know when when the when the whistle has been blown, he's gone out of his way uh, to cost the uh, you know to to give the Tigers a wooden spoon. So it, it, I, you know, so I, I really 
I know he's, you know, it's not all of his fault. They're under pressure, all that kind of stuff. People make mistakes, all that kind of thing. But look, you know, he was in the bunker at that time. But look, uh, you know, how good of a bunker referee also has to go with how good of a an actual referee you are. And I think with Ashley Klein, there's yeah, I just feel like too many, too many of these type of things. I also think he kind of um he goes like uh, for Ashley Klein for me, I feel like he might have first half where it's like uh, lots of penalties, and then he'll have the second half where there's no penalties. Right, so like yeah, I feel like he's yeah. yeah, 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 and and, and look, uh, let's not forget the uh, the memorable like um, send offathon that he adjudicated between the Roosters <laughs> and the Rabbitohs in the last round of the NRL. Right, that was a that was definitely a uh, you know there's a bat. Well, look, any referee would have struggled. I think he actually did pretty well, but it was a uh, you know there was. He lost control a, of the game. He, lo- he lost control. He lost control yeah. of the teams, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Look, so, Tish, you, yeah. Don't, you don't have to go much further. I think you've convinced me that <laughs> Ashley Klein is at a shocker this year. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, to, to further to the point, I think in, in Origin, you talked about the inconsistent approach. Uh, I think we did talk about this during the Origin series that the, that we felt that, you know, the Blues almost were playing, you know, different, completely different uh, temperament uh, referees with different temperament over the games, uh, depending on who got to talk to the referee during during the interim, uh, that made it very frustrating uh, to watch. And 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 you're right. I think I think Ashley Klein presided over too many errors and big refereeing blunders this year and controversy. So look, I am going to withdraw. Uh, I'm going to go. <laughs> I have no try. Uh, <laughs> the, the bunker says no. So I'm going to go with you, Tish Grant Atkins. Through a process of elimination, yeah, uh, like a Stephen Bradbury has won the award. <laughs> Everyone else has fallen around him. He is the Pontifex Maximum yeah. Award winner of 2022. Grant Atkins, well done, congratulations, yeah, well deserved, well done. Well, well, look, I mean, um, the way we've, <laughs> the way we've landed on Grant Atkins is like referee with the least amount of missed tackles, right? <laughs> you know that type of thing. It's kind of like the least amount of error. So let's hope the standard of ref- look. Uh, look, the referees have a hard time. Let's hope that in 2023, the referee standards can improve um, with maybe a different philosophy on on how to referee. So yeah. <laughs> All right. Well done. All right. Let's move on to the Imperator Award. Uh, Imperator meaning commander. We award this to the best captain in rugby league again an illustrious uh, bunch of uh, previous winners here in 2017 we had cameron smith in 2018 and 19 boyd cordner uh, in 2020 we had clint gutherson and last year we had james tedesco and my vote tish is yet again for the same reasons i outlined earlier for the other awards uh, james tedesco in my mind uh you know typifies the the lead by example style of uh, of captaining a sporting team more than anyone. Uh, he doesn't even need to be seen as the best player on any given day, but he the fact he's always there, he's always pushing, he's always in attack, trying to find the gaps. He's always trying to do something. Yes, uh, there there is uh, improvement in his game in terms of. His ability to in attack pass the ball and and uh, you know be be a bit more creative um, and yes a lot of people there's a, there's a meme going around that he um, you know he, while he makes you know say I don't know 
200 meters uh, a game in terms of uh, running meters. He, he, he makes 400 running sideways as well um, <laughs> because that's the style. That's, that's uh, you know, he, he's not just – I'm just the, – the quickest way for him to go forward isn't necessarily straightforward. It could be sideways a little bit to – get the defense in it could be going backwards and then sideways again in the opposite direction just so that you can uh, with your speed find the gap that's just the way he plays that's just, just the way he operates but to me it's not just about that it is about the fact that he leads by example and as i said you know captaining the australian kangaroos to a dominant rugby league world cup victory um, the entire tournament, they were dominant more than uh, more than any other team, um, probably more than any other team in recent memory, actually, of the Kangaroos uh, champions. Uh, you know, sort of typifies uh, James uh, James Sadesco, I think, in his style. So in my mind, I think there's a clear winner here, James Sadesco. Uh, it's going to take a lot of convincing. Tish, do you have an alternate uh, uh, nominee? Yeah, well, look, I think uh, James Tedesco, you know, uh, I think he's very strong. I'm kind of leaning towards that. The alternative that I can give is Isaiah Yo from the Penrith Panthers, co-captain of the Panthers, uh, doing a great job there. Obviously, he's uh, now a New South Wales representative, um, probably vice-captaining. I'm not too sure if that's uh, the title or not. But, you know, a real leader in the New South Wales pack, uh, you know, leading New South Wales. And, look, I'll throw in another extra curricular activity. Um, you know, he is also uh, the player representative for the Rugby League Players Association. Um, so also showing leadership amongst his peers, you know, fighting for, you know, player rights, you know, and really, you know, picketing, striking, you know, if there's a train delay in the city, you know, as I use your man. I is right there. Right Give him there. a call. He'll picketing, he'll you know, so, so, you know, you know, unlike Tedesco, Maybe drinking a wine. Uh, you know, all I can see on his social media is pictures of Paris. Um, you know, um, you know, not really, uh, not really helping out. You know, the 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 minimum wage rugby league players out there. So you know, so I think I think just for the, uh, you know, not just captain of your team leadership, but captain of life leadership. I think I might give it to Isaiah. You know, what, what you know. Um, have I convinced you enough there, Doctor T? Or we no, look, Tish. Okay. No, unfortunately, no. I think, I think, I think you're leaning more towards the best uh, political advocate. Maybe Isaiah <laughs> Yo might get there, but or the best lobbyist. Uh, that's probably the probably an award that we'll we'll think about for next year. But I think, no, in my mind, I think the the evidence is very clear that James Sadesco, as a captain, uh, stands head and shoulders above uh, every other captain in the league. Yes, uh, Isaiah Yo, uh, you know, although isn't he a co-captain at the uh, the Panthers? So that's another thing. Whereas Tedesco, I think, clearly uh, has taken on that mantle of kind of single captain uh, as as what captain used to be. <laughs> the fact that we're even thinking about co-captains kind of defeats the purpose here. But James Tedesco doesn't need a co-captain. He does all the work himself. He's a workhorse. And he's the best captain in rugby league, in my opinion. Tish, will you join me in giving this to James Tedesco? Yes, let's give it to James Tedesco. Well, well done. This is his second uh, Imperator Award, James Tedesco. Well done. And, uh, yeah, claps all around. There you go. Congratulations. 
The next award is the Pater Award, uh, P-A-T-E-R, which means father. It's awarded to the best coach in rugby league. Uh, obviously, coach. Uh, the coaches are often seen as a paternal figure, so that's why we use the Pater Award uh, for this purpose. And look, uh, some very, very solid uh, winners in the past. We've had Craig Bellamy in 2017, Trent Robinson in 2018, Christian Wolf uh, over from the UK in 2019, Wayne Bennett in 2020, and Ivan Cleary last year, obviously getting the Panthers their first victory for quite some time uh, in the NRL. But this year I've gone a little bit uh, left field. I haven't even chosen an NRL coach. I've chosen uh, as my nominee Matt Parrish from Samoa. Now, before you scoff at this, listeners, we know that we did talk about how Matt Parrish at one point after their disastrous first game against England and, and disastrous, uh, you know, kind of lead up to uh, to the World Cup, uh, didn't really do much with the Samoan team, didn't really get them prepared, but he showed throughout the tournament that he was able to do what he needed to do to get them uh, ready and, and, you know, a very dramatic turnaround in form. Uh, I have to admit, for, for Samoa. And unexpectedly, they defeated their South Pacific Island rivals, Tonga, to make the semifinals. Then they defeated England to make the final for the first time ever, um, you know, to preside over that team, to do what they did. Uh, you know, whatever he did, <laughs> even if it was, you know, get out of the way, uh shows that uh, he did what needed to be done to get the results. Yes, they didn't get the result that ultimately they wanted, which was winning the World Cup, but I think they did uh, themselves really proud. And I think Matt Parrish sort of demonstrated that he did what he needed to do to get them across the line. At the end of the day, it wasn't necessarily a failing in his coaching that was a, was a, that led to the result of uh, Australia winning in a at least on the scoreboard in a dominant way over Samoa it wasn't necessarily a coaching failure that that led to that I think it was uh like like we talked about last week it was a lot to do with the fitness levels of of the of the players and just the the one-on-one ability uh skill level that Australia seems to be dominant in so I think uh, all that being said that's my vote for the best coach in rugby league, the part of award to Matt Parrish. How about you, Tish? Well, look, Dr. T, um, look, we've had a great year of coaches, right? You know, so honorable mention to Todd Payton, I think, because Todd Payton, you know, he took his team from 15th to second, an extra 10, 10 extra wins this year, which I think was a very phenomenal achievement um, in the Sharks improved Absolutely. well. Yeah, you know, but then when I think about improvements, where where can you improve, right? You know, because look, Ivan Cleary, obviously, you know, he his name goes up there, but then you know, two two years in a row type thing. Uh, but they actually actually uh, had a look; they actually lost more games this year than I think they lost four this year and last year they won, like, lost three, right? So technically, gone backwards a little bit, <laughs> Ivan. If you think, want to <laughs> look at it from that matrix, but but we know that that's not always look at. But I look at a team like Parramatta. You know, Parramatta is a team that uh, that uh, you know hasn't made the grand final since 2009. Hasn't won a grand final for a long time, 1986. And here they are; they make it to the finals. 
So I'm going to put it for Brad Arthur. They did come in the bottom half of the top eight last year. Now they finished in the top four, so they got that extra game. And look, you know, you want to talk about turnarounds. Like, you know, if we go through a couple of uh, couple of examples of how the Eels were able to turn around uh, a little bit this uh, this season, you know, they um, you know they they had a couple of adversities throughout the season. For example, um, you know, when the Cowboys, you know, in the first ten rounds, not, nobody really gave them a real hope. And uh, they lost 35 points to fall over the Cowboys. So the Cowboys beat them 35 points to fall. So kind of like a 60-6 to six type of shock. And the next week, Parramatta beat the Panthers 22-20. <laughs> right? <laughs> and then uh, later on the season... You know, they sort of, uh, you know, they sort of go and play the Bulldogs who came last last year, and they lose to the Bulldogs thirty four to four, and just the next week they beat the Roosters, James Tedesco, right, twenty six sixteen, and then go on to beat Penrith in another few weeks again, <laughs> right? So I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, wow, you know, like uh, if if Matt Parrish can turn around adversity, look at Brad Arthur, he's turning around adversity on a, a fortnightly, right? Um, is what he's doing. And um, look, I think the main thing is, uh, like, you know, obviously he's losing some players now because of, you know, for 2023. And, and, and you know, um, I never thought about it this way, but if you look at who Parramatta are signing, they're kind of signing nobodies because Brad Arthur has his ability to sort of turn around players, right? And I think that's got to go without mention. I mean, a few years ago, nobody... Like, you know, Mitchell Moses wasn't really, you know, he was struggling at the Tigers a little bit, comes over, and now he's like a million-dollar player that they're finding it hard to keep. Dylan Brown, you know, to, you know, we didn't really know much of him a couple of seasons ago. Now he's like a, a really good player. So I think Brad's a great player, a great coach in terms of um, improving players. And uh, I think that needs to be recognized. And look, if you're going to talk about father, I think, you know, a father that pushes his son to the max um, – Always behind him, no matter what the experts say. Um, and, you know, he's got an undying love for, for Jake. Uh, and this is the Parter Award, Dr. T. So, you know, I know you're a father. So, you know, <laughs> would you want to support your sons if you have sons or daughters? You know, we won't get into that. But <laughs> would you want to support your children the way Brad Arthur supports his Look, yeah, very interesting uh, how you've uh, you've altered the scope of this award to <laughs> to favour nepotism, <laughs> which which I'm not sure that that is uh, you know. In fact, I almost think that that should be a uh, uh, an disqualification. instant dis- disqualification from this award. Um, look, I'm sorry. Look, you've you've made a good. Uh, good, good attempt at uh, at putting forward Brad Arthur as the best coach in rugby league. Uh, I think Todd Payton probably has more um, more to say about that uh, and more evidence of that this year. But I I still think, given the seismic uh, shift in world uh, geopolitics in rugby league, uh, Matt Parrish and what he did with Samoa, I think stands head and shoulders above everything else that anyone has done, including including the 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 double for Ivan Cleary this year with the Panthers. I think um, you know I, I don't think it was uh, the coaching necessarily that 
that uh, that did it for the Panthers. I think they've got a system built around a lot more than the coach, and I think that's why uh, you know they they've weathered the storm of. Um, you know, origin disruptions and other things, uh, suspension of Nathan Cleary, etc. You know, better than most teams. So I think uh, that's more of a system being great as opposed to the coach himself. In this case, yeah, like I said, Matt Parrish, all the evidence was there that he was going to get sacked <laughs> after game one in the World Cup and they completely turned it around and made history. In my mind, he's a clear winner. So I'm going to suggest that you agree Mm. Uh, and uh, history making Matt, history making Matt Parrish, yes, uh, okay, the Parter Award for 2022. Well done, Matt. Congratulations, well done on behalf of everyone and awesome Owens as well. Congratulations. All right, the next, uh, the next one is the Caesar Award, Caesar meaning ruler, and we award this to the best male player in the world. Again, uh, some very great, uh, you know, previous winners of this award. Jason Tamalola, the inaugural winner in 2017, followed up by a three-peat of James Tedesco in 2018, 19, and 2020. Wow. And then last year, Tommy Trevojevic uh, blew everyone away with his uh, exploits, uh, winning that award last year. This year, I have to say, I'm... I'm putting my vote for James Tedesco again based on what wow. happened in the World Cup, based on what happened and how important he is to the Roosters. Uh, you know, yes, it will seem weird offer, giving him the award four times in five years, but mm. he, I think I think most players uh, would agree that he's, uh, he's kind of one of, if not the best players in the world. But, Tish, I'm happy to convin- be convinced otherwise. Do you have an alternative to James Tedesco? Well, I'm going to have to say Nathan Cleary. Nathan Cleary, halfback of the Panthers. They've won the last two seasons. You know, um, you know they're clearly a better side with him there. Uh, very good kicking game. You know, he sort of represented Australia for the first time. Pushed out these. Look, I mean, okay, you've got to be a great player if you could separate a Queensland coach from a Queensland halfback. And he was able to uh, get Big Mal to go with him instead of DCE. I think that's that's enough said for best player in the world, right? You know, <laughs> getting in between two Queenslanders, right? You know, so in an Australian lineup. So, but look, yeah, look, I think I think Nathan Cleary has been like, you know, the player every, you know, it's one of these things where they were like, uh, Australia, they're going to do well when they can't, um, when they don't know each other's game. But, you know, Nathan Cleary, is, is, he can get the best out of all the players around him. And I think he's a, a great attacking weapon as well. Um, so, you know, next year he's probably going to be the highest paid player in the in the game. So I think, yeah, well-deserving of the award. So well done, I think, Nathan Cleary. Dr. T, are you ready to be convinced that uh, Tedesco shouldn't win, uh, you know? Uh, <laughs> Everything this year. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Look, oh, yeah, you are convincing me. I think Nathan Cleary did certainly stood head and shoulders above uh, most players in, in all the games he played really did very well. Uh, this year was so critical for, uh, you know, crucial to the Panthers' victory. Obviously, when he came back towards the end of the year, they started their, their climb back to, uh, you know, came back just in time for the finals and they just blew everyone away. And, and I think it was uh, a masterful performance as well. In origin, he stood up 
mostly when when needed uh, was well nullified though at some point. And I think that's the trick is when 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 teams deliberately target you and try to nullify you, um, you know that you've you've got something special. When you're able to break through from that, that's even more special. And I think the fact that he was managing to really come of age this year, I think I would have to agree with you. Nathan Cleary is our Caesar Award winner for 2022. Congratulations, Nathan, on behalf of all of us at Rugby League Republic. Well done. All right. The next award is a similar award for the women's side. So the Livia Drazilla Award. Uh, Livia Drazilla was the first female empress of Rome. So we are awarding this to the best female player in the world. Um, and we've had three winners, separate winners in the past three years since we've had this award. Jessica Sergis in 2019, Ali Brigginshaw in 2020, and last year, Isabel Kelly. This year, uh, my vote goes for the player that just, uh, you know, dominated almost every game that she played. She was uh, uh, well known for, you know, topping the run meters uh, stats. Uh, in my mind, there's no no one better this year than Midley Boyle from the Knights. Uh, just completely dominant. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, the awards that she's won as well sort of prove that. Uh, Tish... What are your views on Millie Boyle as our Livia Drazilla Award winner this year? Well, look, uh, I totally concur with you. I think Millie Boyle had a fantastic NRLW. Um, great, a great uh, origin series, well, origin match or series, yeah, match um, this year. And I think also, uh, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, she actually withdrew from the World Cup because she's starting her own charity, uh, moving to Newcastle and even uh, convinced... Well, he even got her boyfriend, Adam Elliott, <laughs> a job for the <laughs> Newcastle Knights as well. So I think, um, you know, when um, I think she's actually, you know, showing some great class there, um, you know, Millie Boyle. And um, I think she's going to be a great player for the future. And, you know, um, I know Ali Bringenshaw had, you know, was sort of, I think, player of the tournament as well. Um, you know, but but I, I'm just, uh, I, I would say that Millie Boyle has outdone her this year so well done Millie Boyle absolutely well done Millie Boyle for the Livia Drazilla award winner for 2022 congratulations all right a few more to go the consul award consul meaning highest official uh, and it's awarded to the best administrator in rugby league uh, this award in 2019 was first won by Ralph Rimmer the CEO of the RFL um, last year was won by Peter Volandis, of the chairman of the NRL. Uh, sorry, in 2020 he won that, and last year it was Phil Gould who won that award. And Tish, my, in my view, I'm going to put Phil Gould again as uh, demonstrating his abilities as the best administrator in rugby league. Last year it was about the Panthers winning under the system that he built. Uh, his five-year plan, which took 10 years, but still yielded a premiership and now has yielded two. So in my mind, this year's efforts by the Panthers sort of, uh, you know, augments his uh, claim for this title. Uh, but in addition to that, he has been doing so much work in the background to set up a similar system with the Bulldogs, where he is the director of football operations, I think, or something like that. Next year, look, this year he's done well. He's managed to get, you know, Josh Adokar, Matt Burden. He's, uh, he's secured 
assistant coach from the Panthers, Cameron Seraldo, as the head coach next year in 2023. He's also secured a bunch of other players, some of which have come from the Eels. Reed Marnie is going over there. I think Viliama Kikau is going to the Bulldogs from the Panthers. Uh, look, this is all Phil Gould's doing. He is is in working so hard in the background to get um, get everyone lined up, to get the system lined up, to get the players lined up, get the coach that he wants, etc. He is just scheming in the background like a Wizard of Oz kind of thing. And uh, well done, Phil Gould, in my view. I think he's done so well with uh, setting up the Bulldogs for success next year. But I think, uh, yeah, on the back of that, plus what the Panthers have continued to do this year, I think it's all points to Phil Gould just being a master administrator uh, in rugby league. Uh, he's already been, you know, one of the greatest coaches, I think, of all time. But to be an administrator, to work out how to get the, the strings pulled in the background and and get the players uh, in, into your squad, etc. get everything humming along nicely. That's a real skill, and I think Phil Good has demonstrated yet again with what he's done with setting up the Bulldogs for success next year. Um, you know, absolutely, in my view, very, very strong claim for this award. Tish, what is your view on, uh, what is your uh, nominee for the console award? Yeah, look, I've gone with, Penrith Panthers CEO, Brian Fletcher. Um, obviously, the Panthers are a very successful organisation. They've turned it around. Of course, we're talking about uh, basically the the same sort of, well, the same situation, but we're attributing it to different individuals, right? Um, you know, Penrith have had success. It looks like they're going to have a long tenure of success, um, you know, with the way that they've set up the system, which for uh, Field Gould has not been taking a backward step in taking all the credit for, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but but the truth is, is it, it, it takes um, you know it takes takes a lot of people, and I think Brian Fletcher, the man at the top, you know, he's sort of lobbying to make sure that you know the uh, NRL Grand Final prize goes from uh, two hundred thousand dollars this year to an increase. So he's funding the NRL on that. So um, you know, just trying to to improve the game for everybody. But I think what they've done out in Penrith, I think, has been amazing. Uh, the way they've sort of engaged the community as well. And, um, you know, Penrose are basically a sellout every week. And I think that passion that's there. Um, so, you know, Brian Fletcher. And you know what? They were able to secure funding for the new Penrose Stadium when others lost their funding. So I think he's making the right moves. Um, you know, he is, uh, you know, he, he's read Donald Trump's The Art of a Deal because he knows how to create a deal. <laughs> I think, I think uh, yeah, I think I'm going to have to say, yeah, Brian Fletcher, CEO of the Penrose Panthers. Well, I mean, look, I I respectfully disagree. I think a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of people do kind of take what Phil Gould says with a grain of salt, especially when he talks himself up about, you know, uh, look, when Phil Gould starts a sentence with, uh, as I said all along, <laughs> blah, 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 uh, you get the sense that he's, uh, he's, he's going to take credit for a prediction that he made, which he didn't really make. Uh, but I think in this case, the proof is in the pudding uh, or the proof in the pudding is in the eating or whatever it is. It's the evidence is there basically that that it's not just Phil Gould talking it up. It is very clear that the system that he set up it was designed to bear fruit at some point uh, if followed faithfully, which it was, even though he's been gone from that team for a while. I think it's pretty clear. Most pundits would agree that 
the system that he set up, the academy, the pathways, all of those ideas are what con is contributing right now to the Panthers' uh, success. Uh, Brian Fletcher, not to be confused with uh, Fox Sports uh, analyst Brian Fletcher from Roosters Legend, um, <laughs> different guy, um, spelled differently, I think, the Brian as well, um, you know, I, I think is an example of where, uh, you know, you get people uh, to come in at a time to to execute the vision, if that makes sense. Not necessarily someone who's a visionary or who has shown much more than, uh, you know, what I've sort of demonstrated from Phil Gould's perspective. So, look, I'm, I'm still going to be strong on this one. I think Phil Gould deserves this one. Uh, as I said, not just because of what the, he's done with the Panthers, but what he's currently doing with the Bulldogs and he's getting success there as well. He's, uh, you know, in the player market, it was Phil Gould, I think, that ne has negotiated the best players to be moved to uh, moving across to Phil Gould and also a, a much uh, lauded assistant coach at the, at the successful Penrith Panthers outfit. So I think he's got all the people he wants <laughs> to set up that team. And I think that's also a really good sign of a good administrator and a, and a good, uh, yeah, you know, Good club administrator. So, unless mm. you disagree, I'm going to put Phil Gould well, as the winner of the console. I think award. it's beneficial for me to pick Phil Gould because more Phil Gould at the Bulldogs means less Phil Gould on Channel Nine commentary. So <laughs> right. let's go with Phil Gould on this one. Congratulations, Phil Gould, console award winner for 2022. There you go. All right, couple more awards left, and this one is the Pious Felix Award, which is uh, it means pious and blessed, and it's awarded to the person or group who has done the most to live up to the community ideals of rugby league. Previous winners in 2019 was Alan. Tongue, 2020, Connor Watson, and last year, Ronaldo Molitalo. Um, this year, I'm going to nominate someone who I think I nominated last year, but eventually didn't uh, didn't quite win the award. Someone who has continued to, uh, uh, you know, find recognition for the work that he's put into community initiatives. Um, this year, he was awarded with the Ken Stephen Medal. Um, Cody Walker from the Rabbitohs has a long and proud history of championing the Rabbitohs, South's Cares and NRL community initiatives. Um, and according to uh, the website, this has included his dedication to the Nanga Mai Mari Dream Big Program, Aboriginal Employment Program, Deadly Youth Mentoring Program and Rabbitohs Wellbeing Program. So you put all that together, Cody Walker hasn't just been doing it this year and he's not doing it for the recognition, but finally he was recognised for as uh, the Ken Stephen Medal winner for community service this year. So in my mind, uh, you know, like I said, I voted for him last year even though he wasn't the winner of the award that time, but I think this year definitely deserves it and he's been recognised independently by uh, the people who judge the Ken Stephen Medal. Um, so in my mind, Cody Walker, Tish, is there another more deserving winner this year of the Pius Felix Award? Well, look, I think this is a very underappreciated part of uh, you know the NRL fraternity because I think there's a lot of players doing a lot of great work for their communities and for the community as well, you know, um, even people outside the community. Um, but, look, I agree with you. I think Cody Walker definitely deserves this award. I think he does a lot for... Um, you know, his communities out there. And I think he's a much maligned player. And I think sometimes for the wrong reasons, you know, he's, 
you know, he's he's a player that sort of. I mean, he's he's an inspiration. Is 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 the way I look at it. You know, he's very the way he plays is very inspiring. Um, you know, uh, you know, does some magical things out there. The fact that you know he got into the NRL very late, so he kind of encourages you know players to get to us. You know, even if they if you pass your prime or pass your yeah the age of debut sort of thing. Um, you know, don't give up. I think he sends that message every time he plays there. And I think also because of, you know, what he's been doing um, for South Cares, for NRL community initiatives, uh, you know, the fact that he goes back and plays some of these regional tournaments from time to time, um, you know, you hear great stories about what Cody Walker is doing. And I think, um, and I think he definitely deserves this award. So bit of an unsung hero, I think, in, in, in different, um, programs that he's involved with so well done Cody Walker and I think definitely um you know much deserved winner and and hopefully some more representative success for Cody Walker down the track well done Cody Walker Pius Felix award winner of 2022 and finally uh the the final award and and probably you might say the big award because this is called the Princeps award for the first citizen uh, is what that means. And it's awarded to the personal group who has done the most to expand and improve the game of rugby league. And uh, check out the previous winners of this award. Uh, what an illustrious group. In twenty seven and sorry, in 2016, the inaugural winners were the Latin Heat. Uh, in 2017, Eric Perez, the founder and CEO of the Toronto Wolfpack. Remember them? Um, they uh, he won that award in 2017. <laughs> in 2018, the winner was Jason Tamalolo for what he did to kind of uh, you know in uh, I guess uh, encourage really uh, Pacific Island players uh, or players with Pacific Island heritage to uh, uh, to play for their uh, their motherland as opposed to their adopted land of uh, Australia or New Zealand, depending on where they live. Um, and that was followed up in 2019 by the entire Tonga national team and Tonga fans, and that yeah. was based on the fact that they, uh, you know, not even, you know, a couple of years after Jason Tamalolo and, of course, Andrew Fafita, let's not forget him as well, um, you know, paved the way for player defections, I guess, back to their uh, traditional roots. Um, uh achieved a historic victory in 2019 against the Kangaroos for the first time ever. Absolutely seismic shift in uh, in the world of rugby league. In 2020, the winner was Peter Volandis. Now, I know now he's not got the greatest reputation, but back then <laughs> when he joined and when COVID hit, I think the, this was a recognition of the fact that he did his best to keep keep the game going to keep the nrl going he uh, they adjusted they were flexible this was at a time when he came in and and cleaned up the game in terms of financially and he set us up for financial success as well there was a lot of concern that with COVID and lockdowns and things like that that there would be players not paid and all sorts of debts happening for the clubs, etc. Peter Volandis is the reason why the NRL weathered that storm and came out the other end. Probably the most successful out of all of the rugby, uh, sorry, all of the footballing codes in Australia. So that's why he won that in 2020. And last year, the winner was uh, Benji Marshall, 
uh, he, he's done so much more, you know, even since then, but he's done so much to kind of promote the game. Uh, this was a kind of a recognition in a way of his uh, lifetime achievement of, of expanding and improving the game of rugby league. Uh, he's also done so well to promote the game outside of, um, outside of the field and outside of the field of dreams, so to speak. Uh, he's, uh, he's won, uh, uh, what what did he win this year? It wasn't the Bachelor? It wasn't the Block? What was it? The uh, apprentice. the Apprentice. <laughs> That's right, Celebrity Apprentice. <laughs> he won that. So look, he uh, he's done so much uh, even since then uh, to continue flying the flag for rugby league. But look, this year I think uh, there is a clear winner, even though they weren't winners on the day of the rugby league World Cup final. The fact that they got there and the manner in which they got there. The fact that everyone had written them off after that first group game against England, uh, deservedly so, because they were absolutely smashed and humiliated by the English team. But they turned it around. They stuck to their guns. They 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 must have done something in the dressing room with Matt Parrish's assistance as well to pull together and and really turn around their performances to the point where, you know, they defeated in the quarterfinals their rivals in the South Pacific, Tonga, who was at, until that stage, you know, well, I guess you could say favoured to make it to the semifinals. Out of all of the non-Tier 1 nations, Tonga would have been more favoured than anyone else. Song, uh, Samoa, you know, turned that around by defeating them and then put the icing on the cake in the semifinal in a, a thrilling game against England, defeating them to make their first ever Rugby League World Cup final. They had already gone as, as far as they had ever gone by making the semifinals, but they went a step further, a step further than any Tier 2 nation has ever gone in making that final against Australia. They put in a good effort. They were dominated, though, on the scoreboard. And, uh, you know... They will learn from that, but they weren't dominated too much. I mean, they did lose 30 to 10, but uh, as we said last week in our, in our review of the game, that it was probably the scoreline that flattered Australia a little bit. I think the game felt a lot closer. They were a lot closer in terms of um, the, 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 the way they played, the way the two teams played. At the end of the day, a bit of extra class from a few extra players in, in Australia uh, meant that you know they when when required uh, Samoa didn't have what it takes. But despite that, I don't think anybody would uh, suggest that they that that was a failure on their part. Obviously, they would have loved to have won the World Cup, but the fact that they got there and the manner in which they played that final, the fact that they got so much respect worldwide from from fans, uh, opposing fans, fans of other island nations in the South Pacific. Just goes to show that that Samoa did everything they could on the field and off the field to expand and improve the game of rugby league. Tish, bit of a rant there. I'm pretty sure you're going to agree with me, but I'm going to hand over to you uh, to give your, uh, your your perspective of who is your nominee for the Princeps Award. Yeah, well, look, um, furthering the game, I think I think you've hit the nail right on the head. I think the Samoan national team making the World Cup final, um, you know, something that uh, the Tongans have yet to achieve and Samoa somehow 
outwitted them and got there. But look, well done to Samoa for doing that. But I think I think the fact that um you know you had Hollywood stars, you had uh you know NFL stars, people of Samoan diaspora so proud of Samoa making it there. Um, I still see the flags all over Sydney, the Samoan uh, <laughs> yep. flags yep, there. So, so, so you could see that pride has really got there. And I think, and I think this is the future of, of, of rugby league. And I think, um, you know, any, you know, any player that's uh, any team that's got, uh, you know, a, a group of Samoans in their team uh, become pretty good, become a pretty good squad, right? Like, uh, you know, uh, this year's grand finalists of Penrith and Parramatta, um, you know, a lot, they had players playing for, um, you know, Samoa, like, you know, even Junior Polo and, you know, uh, Jerome Loy and, and, you know, and the list goes on and on. So who knows? They're just going to go strength to strength. And I think even the expansion into the US, I think some, I think this is, I think Samoa is kind of opening the door with that. You know what? Like, uh, what do you think about this, Dr. T? Samoa versus Tonga in Honolulu. Wow, I mean that. Look, that is a good idea. I think they've talked about that as a Las Vegas sort of thing, but I think the Honolulu connection, the Hawaii connection, I think is yeah superb. And you know, look, hosted by Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Let's not forget, we've talked about him last week. Yep. You know, uh, uh, look, I'm hoping that one day Dwayne the Rock Johnson will win the Princeps Award if he's able <laughs> yeah. to allow us to break into the USA. With yeah. his Samoa ties, uh, that to me is this. This is what this award is all about. Everyone it is about the person and or group who uh, who does their best to promote the game, to expand it. This is what we're all about. We're always about, you know, going into new territory and, and testing the waters and making sure that we succeed as a as a game. Um, you know, it's got so much to offer, the, the drama, the, the skills, and it's a shame in a way that we are so limited in our reach, even 100 or so years after being, uh, you know, 120-something years or whatever it is, uh, after we were established in the north of England, uh, there's so much potential for this game to expand. So I think, yeah, hoping that Dwayne The Rock Johnson wins next year's award for having broken <laughs> us into the US market. But look, Samoa, like like you said, I think that's mm. another reason why looking forward, Samoa has mm. so many opportunities, can open so many doors for us to expand the game even further yeah. in that US market. Good idea, the, uh, yeah, the Hawaii, uh, yeah. the Clash of Hawaii, yeah. Exactly. And you know what? Like, uh, you know, you could have Wolverine versus Black Adam, right? Hugh Jackman, big manly representative, get him involved as well. <laughs> Russell Crowe can be in there. It could be a, uh, you know, who did he play? You know, Superman's dad and uh, Zeus, of course. So there we go. Samoa versus Greece. Um <laughs> Anyway, maybe just, maybe not, but like, look, maybe, not, like, maybe not. Samoa Tonga one is a really good one because I think you, you're going to get uh, it, it is a great connection there with Hawaii as well. Obviously, it's the Polynesian connection, uh, fantastic. Call it the Polynesian Cup, the Shield, whatever you want to call it, doesn't really matter. Uh, make it have some meaning, and I think, and I think that brings me to to yeah, the basically what Samoa did really brought a lot of meaning to to the rugby league world cup this year it wasn't just a standard you know australia new zealand england final we had someone new and uh 
and and deservedly so. You know, they didn't fluke their way to victory. They defeated the team in a semi-final in a very tight game that uh, completely dominated in that group game, and they got their revenge. And to me, it was such a wonderful story. It added to the drama, uh, and we love that drama in rugby league. Good drama. Um, uh, but, yeah, again, look, I, I think it's very clear. Samoa... We're, we're ending the year on a high because uh, by awarding them the Princeps Award for uh, the, the group that has done the most to expand and improve the game of rugby league, we we look forward to 2023. So well done, Samoa, and thank you for giving us uh, the ability to break through our, our, uh, our shackles of uh, how we see the world of rugby league. It is definitely uh, the case that they have done so much to expand the reach of the game and get so much interest in the game uh, in the South Pacific. So well done, Samoa. Um, and that's it. That wraps up our uh, Rugby League Republic 7th Annual Awards uh, for for this year, 2022. Uh, thank you very much, Tish. This is our last episode, uh, our last podcast of the year. So thank you very much for everything that you've done. Uh, hope you all have a wonderful Christmas and New Year break. And uh, we're going to see you bright and early next year <laughs> as uh, the rugby league world uh, opens up again uh, and with, with obviously NRL, uh, our main focus here. But Tish, over to you to wrap this one up. Well, thank you, Dr. T. And I'd like to thank everybody for listening uh, to this episode. And thank you for your support this year and listening to us for 2022. But that's all the time that we have for this episode and for the NRL season 2022. We're your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time in 2023 for the Rugby League Republic podcast. Bye for now.